So, um, I was meant to be today preaching on 2 Corinthians. I was going to finish our series. I had done basically 95% of my prep and then realized that I sort of had an opportunity today that I'm not really going to have again. So, as Heather mentioned, next week is uh, the official uh, handing over ceremony type thing where Andrew will be officially stepping down and myself and Heather will be stepping into the senior leader's role. Um, and I was aware that when, while we've been looking through 2 Corinthians, there's a lot of uh, sort of problems effectively that have been caused because the church in Corinth expected something of Paul that was not how Paul had understood his role and his responsibility. So I thought, I don't want people to be disappointed, so I'm going to try and take this opportunity to set some expectations. And I thought that was a good plan. Um, and just look at it from a sort of biblical, biblical, biblical um, that was biblical um, in weirdo. Um, so I call this prelude to a title. So next week, as I say, we're becoming senior leaders. And you may be wondering, what on earth does that mean? See, Heather, it's happening to Heather, and Heather is wondering what on earth that means. And ever since, uh, really, sort of Andrew went on sabbatical, uh, I've been sort of looking into this kind of stuff and wondering, like, what does all this mean? What is the biblical sort of requirements? What does it look like? What, what was it referred to back then? All that kind of stuff. Uh, the audio is still ringing a little bit, so I'm just going to move the audio down a little bit because I'm very loud. That's better. Cool. So, in the Bible, you won't find the title senior leader, so that's not a great start. Is it? But you do find all these kind of titles. So, pastor, elder, deacon, minister, bishop, overseer, shepherd. All these things show up in the Bible. So, you may be wondering, well, senior, senior church leader, which one is it? Like, what, what does that relate to? What does that even mean? I've just realized I haven't prayed yet, and this is kind of uh, complicated, and, but fun in places. I'm hoping it will be fun. Um, so I'm going to pray quickly before I continue on. So, yeah, Father, pray that you'll help me communicate well, that I won't be rambly, um, and that people will go away understanding more of what is expected of me and Heather, and more of what's expected of them, and that we'll all go away encouraged. Amen. Cool. So I thought I'd start at the top of my list, which is with the pastor. So, you know, what's their deal? What's the deal with pastors? What does, what does a pastor do? Uh, how do they fit in? What's their thing? And I thought to begin with, with pastors, I'd put it in a sort of broader, wider context. So there's a really uh, common passage that comes up when talking about sort of leadership roles and all that kind of stuff, which is Ephesians 4. People will literally refer to this as the Ephesians 4 ministries or the fivefold ministries. Has anyone heard of those kind of things before? Sound familiar at all? Oh, cool. Some people are nodding. I like nodding. Nodding is good. Are you nodding because I mentioned it in passing this week? Okay, cool. <laughs> good, good. So, yeah, it says that Christ gave to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. So, you, know, you can see that pastors is one of those there. However, um, upon researching this, I discovered that my understanding, which was this growing up, was probably wrong. And like so many things that I've preached on recently, it's all due to where you put a comma <laughs> or like a, a translation thing. So the NIV is for this verse, in my opinion, looking at the original Greek, the absolute worst translation. If you look at any of the other translations, they do a much better job of showing what it really is. So I think the closest to 
Uh, the original Greek was the New American Standard, which is, you know, means the Americans got it right, so that in itself was pretty upsetting. Boo! <laughs> yeah. uh, so it says, he gave some, some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Or in the um, NLT it says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. See, I like there's, it's like there's almost one too many ands there in, in terms of the original understanding. So it's not pastors and then teachers as a completely separate role. It's pastor-teachers. It's one thing. It's two sort of parts of the same role. So I didn't know that growing up. I used to completely understand that wrong. Um, but it seems to be the case that most people would agree. Uh, even at the conference this weekend, people kept saying, pastor-teachers, pastor-teachers. So I was like, oh, good. I might actually be on the money with this one, so that's good. Um, so, yeah, in terms of pastor, like, great, they've, they're, they're one of these four things, like, but what does pastor mean? Uh, pastor means shepherd. It's just ye oldie Latin uh, for shepherd. So that's actually pretty straightforward in terms of that one. Everyone know what a shepherd is? Everyone familiar with what shepherds are? Cool. Um, there's enough sheep around on the hills, I guess, for people in Wales to be familiar with what shepherds are. So the next one was elders. What's their deal? Um, both Timothy and Titus speak a lot about elders. Uh, so I've sort of highlighted some bits in Titus that I thought are interesting. Lots of the stuff in Titus and Timothy to do with eldership talks about character, uh, but I've highlighted sort of the other bits so it says that elders are appointed in every town. So it is a really common thing for elders to be appointed. Uh, the, yeah, an elder must be, and then there's a list of sort of character things uh, similar in Timothy. And then something interesting happens in verse 7, which is while talking about elders, he switches and says overseer with no idea. There's no context change at all, still talking to exactly the same people, but says sort of elder overseer in the same breath. They are the same thing in the similar way uh, to, uh, you know, pastor and shepherd being the same thing. Elder, overseer, also same thing. So that's your terminology. Interestingly, uh, in the King James Version, an elder is also called a bishop. So that's where, where that comes from. Didn't know that. Don't know why. I figured that was probably a uh, rabbit hole that I didn't necessarily need to go down as to why it says bishop in the King James Version as, you know, that's not really... Uh, favored <laughs> translation of the Bible, and it might be something strange. But then it gets fun. You ready for the fun bit? I find this fun, but that's because, you know, I'm a dork and I love this kind of stuff. I like feeling like a Bible detective. It's, it's really good. So 1 Peter 5 uh, talks about elders, and it says, to the elders, and then in verse 2 it says, be shepherds, and talks about watching over the flock and caring for them under the chief shepherd that is Jesus. So what Peter does here in 1 Peter 5 is he takes Pastor Shepherd and Elder Overseer Bishop and glues them together and says, they are the same thing. So it's a bit weird because uh, we've got, oh, it was a one, two, three, four, five terms for effectively the same job. I guess it's like me with my actual paid employment. You could say I'm a coder, I'm a programmer, and a developer. They are all accurate, but it's you know, three different words. So it's a similar kind of thing. They're all the same. It's all one office, one responsibility, one role for people in leadership in the church. So with that in mind, oh, yep, same difference, uh, I thought, what are the responsibilities of this 
single role, this pastor, elder, overseer, bishop uh, role. So I thought we'd look again at Peter 5. So it says, uh, you know, about caring for your flock and watching over them. Uh, With this, I was thinking of uh, times where I've taken, like, my niece and my nephew to a park. When you take them to a park, you don't go, away, kids, and then wander off, do you? You you stay there. Hopefully not. Don't do that. That is not a thing that you should do. You know, you should be there and, like, watching over your kids. When you take them into the park, before they're about to go on something, you kind of go, is there any glass on the floor that could hurt them? You sort of consciously scan. Is like, is Mark the bully around, you know, the one, the kid that keeps picking on our kids. Is there some really creepy looking adults hanging around that you don't like the look of? You know, all that kind of stuff. You look out, you, you survey the scene and go, is there anything here that could do my kids harm? And it's like that uh, with the sort of shepherds there. They're looking out for anything that could do harm. Acts 20 says, wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth. So part of this role is sort of this watching over, looking for stuff that can cause harm, can be problematic. So that's the first thing. Next one uh, is about being an example. So Paul himself uh, in 1 Corinthians 11 says about imitate me as I imitate Christ. Uh, Being uh, a pastor, pastor, shepherd. If I have to say all this every time, I'm going to get really bored. So, those guys. Um, but they say, you know, they're meant to be an example. And what I found is actually really sad, actually, is that lots of the sort of famous Christians we've had over the past hundred years, we were sort of like, oh, you know, that's such a good example. They're so great people. And then sort of towards the end of their ministry, you find out, oh, actually, they've had a massive a nosedive into sin, or actually they've been sinful the entire time and just kept it really well hidden, which is really sad um, and not meant to be the case and is really irritating. But, you know, Paul is saying here that you're meant to be a good example, which is why so much of the stuff in Timothy and Titus is character traits. The most important thing for that role is good character. It's not gifting, it's character, and that is massively, massively important. Then the third one I've got from Timothy. Uh, so again, loads of character stuff, but in, in the blue there I've highlighted one of the sort of actionable things, which is able to teach, because it's pastor-teacher. It's not, you know, pastor and then teaching is something completely different. If you are a pastor, you need to be able to teach. If you're an elder, you need to be able to teach. It's not optional. It's a huge part of the role. So if we take those three things and put them sort of back into the context of a shepherd, the role of those people is to feed, lead, and protect. That is primarily what the role is. Uh, Jesus, when speaking to Peter, says, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Great. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Great. Feed my sheep. And what's really important here is actually that feeding is the word of God. It's that teaching. It's that whole man does not live alone live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's feeding people what God says. It's feeding people the truth of what's in Scripture. And lead, again, by example. Uh, We spoke about that already. But you don't want to end up being a hypocrite. You don't want to preach something on a Sunday and go, you should be like this, and then go and live completely differently, because that's not helpful. Um, You know, you can't say, seek ye first the kingdom, uh, give up everything, and then, you know, get into your 
three million pound sports car in Ridvelin. It, you know, it would be massively hypocritical. And then protect this sort of almost constant vigilance, um, which I just made me think Batman, if I'm honest. But you know, this vigilance sort of like looking out for things. Um, but there are dangers both outside, which we see like wolves coming in, but also dangers from inside. And that's really sad. That sucks that that can happen. But it's kind of an unfortunate reality. So effectively, here's how a church leader's supposed to look. You know, he's there. He's caring for his sheep, looking after them. Everything's a bit lovely. In my experience, though, just being brutally honest, this is what most church leaders end up looking like. <laughs> They end up looking like the sheepdog, running around going, what are you doing, where are you going? Blah, 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 blah. Running around behind them, trying to wrangle all the sheep. to like Instead of going, we're off, and all the sheep going, oh, okay, great. You know, they run around like headless chickens, or, or like sheepdog, trying to you know, get all the sheep to go in the right direction. And you know what? That is absolutely exhausting. And there are so many church leaders, pastors, elders, overseers, over the last few years, the statistics are pretty dire, really, as to the amount of church leaders who have just packed it in over the last few years. Um, even at the Catalyst Hub that we went to last time around, um, there was a guy there called Neil, who is brilliant. He did a, a wonderful talk, and there's a thing called uh, the Broadcast Network, which Catalyst do. His talk's on that. Recommend giving it a listen. He was brilliant, really liked him. Uh, but he was saying how he led a church for seven years trying to effectively please everybody and would go around and go, oh, you know, you, they'd say, oh, we need a church that's hip and cool. And so, you know, he'd go, oh, great, I'll get some fancy jeans or some ripped jeans and we call them hip. And then go to someone else and go, oh, you need the church to be this and try and be that as well and be everything to everyone. And that just ends up with you being exhausted. And I think, to a certain extent, the problem is the idea of church leaders as shepherds uh, one of the things that, if you think Bible and you think shepherd, you also think lost sheep. So you think of the shepherd role as someone who is constantly running off to grab the one that's gone wandering. But if you actually look at how Jesus operated in his ministry, he was invitational, wasn't he? When he called his disciples, he's like, hey, I'm on a mission from God. You want to come along? You want to come follow me? Great. And they did. But... When the rich young ruler came along and said, you know, what do I need to do to get into heaven? Jesus said, you know, get rid of all your stuff and come follow me. And he went away sad and upset because he had loads of stuff. But it's interesting because it doesn't say, then Jesus ran after him and said, oh, I'm so sorry I upset you. I'm so sorry. Maybe you can keep your stuff. I'll change the mission slightly and maybe work your stuff into God's plans for humanity so that you don't have to give up stuff. It's okay. We'll make it. We'll, we'll, we'll change everything. I'm not going to go and heal those people over there. Let's just try and make, make you happy and make everything okay. He doesn't do that. His invitation always says, come follow me. And it's the choice of the sheep to then follow or wander off. So, does that make sense? Still with me? I realize it's hot. Again, if you need to get a drink uh, from the side, feel free to. Qualifications. So, what are the qualifications? So, as I say, Titus and Timothy both speak about character. Uh, did I mention that to be a preacher, teacher, elder, you need to be able to teach? I feel like I might have mentioned that possibly once or twice. Uh, you also 
need uh, to not be a recent convert. So you need to be sort of mature in the Christian faith, not, not a newbie. Uh, and also have a good reputation with outsiders. I thought that was quite interesting, but I'm very glad to say that as a church, I think we've got a pretty stellar uh, reputation with the community, largely due to the work that Heather and previous people who've been on the Eden team and that kind of stuff have done. So thank you, uh, well done. And that's sort of the, the qualifications. It's, you know, being able to teach, having good character, not being a noob, and uh, having a good rep with outsiders. That is the qualifications. What's really interesting is that nowhere in that does it say, and three years of Bible college, and a degree, a master's degree in theology. It doesn't say it, it's not a thing. It's so, I think, telling that so many um, sort of Christian movements and organizations now will put such an emphasis on, you have to have this piece of paper. You have to have this thing that says you've read these things and kind of understood them, or, you know, ask chap GBT to come up with a, <laughs> an answer for you. But, you know, what's most important to Paul and to Christ is character. It's character that is the most important thing, not qualifications. The, it's, it's all about your heart and your desire to serve and love. It's not about um, sure, having a piece of paper saying uh, you can read. Of course, loving the Bible is an absolute requirement, and like me, being a bit of a dork with it and feeling like a bit of a detective and enjoying that whole thing because one of the things is being able to teach. So you need to be able to be familiar with the Bible and what's going on and enjoy reading commentaries and that kind of stuff. But it's not a requirement to have a piece of paper. And I think that's really important. And I think that's something that's maybe hindered the church in the past. So we've kind of spoke about what the role looks like. We spoke about qualifications. Now I want to talk about some misconceptions. So firstly, elder does not mean old. Um, I remember that there was a guy who became an elder in my very first church, and he absolutely hated the term elder and wanted to be referred to as a younger, because it just it does sound like an old person. And admittedly, a lot of the people who were appointed as elders were probably pretty old. Um, but Timothy himself, who Paul writes to, Paul says, don't let people look down on you because you are young. So actually, it's about sort of spiritual maturity, uh, maturity in the faith. It's not about age or years. You don't have to reach a certain level of gray hair to be an elder pastor teacher. It's not a thing. Thankfully, um, I must admit, sort of when I started thinking about this kind of role, when I stepped into leadership at the Part of Hope a while ago, this was maybe... Like, oh, I don't want to be an elder because it does sound a bit old, but I've got a bit grayer since then. <laughs> so it's becoming less and less of an issue, unfortunately. Um, the next one is the term pastoral care. So this, I think, is a really unhelpful and potentially unbiblical. If you try and find this term in the Bible, you won't find it. But I think it's really misleading because it has the word pastor in it. So people will look at the word pastoral care and think, that's what a pastor does which is logical because, you know, words. But it's not how it's meant to work. That's not what it's all about. And I would say that what we need to do with pastoral care is remove the pastor and add an additional L in, and then we get something similar to what the Bible actually says, which is all care. It's not uh, the job of the pastor to love and care for everyone. That's everyone's job. 
The Bible says, love one another. If you read John, or one John, any of the Johns, you can barely be able to go a page without hearing someone say, love one another. Love one another, love one another. So Ephesians, let us be kind and compassionate to one another. By this you will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Encourage one another. Weep with those who weep. Mourn with those who mourn. All this kind of stuff were not commands given to church leaders, pastors, elders. They were commands given to the church. It's not just their job. Caring is not the sole responsibility of a pastor elder. It is everyone's job. It's not a pastor thing. It's a Christian thing. (laughs) We should all be loving and looking out for each other and making sure that people aren't burning out and running around like headless chickens. Uh, This one uh, is kind of anyone who was here last week, Andrew basically said this was ready, which was um, in James 5.14, it says, is anyone sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them. If you are a sheep, if you are a sheep, I don't know why I went American there. If you are a sheep, um, and I I, I checked this out, I went to SavvyFarmLife.com. If you are a sheep, uh, you will bleat. If you are separated from the flock, if you are anxious or unsure of something, or if you're in anticipation of feeding time, like, "Mm, I'm hungry, bah. (laughs) But, (laughs) yeah, so if... If uh, as part of being a sheep is actually, if you're not okay, it's important to speak up, to not suffer in silence. It's important to bleat. Um, if you literally need to go up to someone and go, because you know it's too hard to actually say what you're feeling, feel free to do that. You know, I think this this talk will give you a, a context for that. Well, that will be okay. Um, but you know, if if a sheep gets its head stuck in a fence or falls down or doesn't feel well, it will bleat. And it's the sheep's responsibility to say, help! Of course, we should be looking out for each other. We should be looking for signs that people aren't doing okay, you know, asking people, how are you doing? That kind of stuff. But the sheep is the one that needs to bleat to say, hey, actually, I'm I'm feeling left behind. I'm feeling uh, sick. I've I've fallen down and hurt my leg. I'm really, really hungry. Whatever it is, you know, it's the sheep's responsibility. Um, I very much grew up in a home... Uh, where the approach to, to care was sort of no news is good news. Did anyone else have that growing up? Yeah, so it was very interesting. When I went uh, skiing with my school, um, I think I went in year seven and year eight, and the experience I had compared to other people I went with, most of them would be there going, oh, hi, mom, hi, dad, oh, blah, 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 and you would call their parents every day to let them know that they were okay, that they hadn't fallen down, that they were doing fine, everything was all right, because their parents would have been home panicking. My parents, if they would have received a call, would have received a call, and the call would have panicked them, because they were very much of the, you've gone to have a good time, you've gone to enjoy snowboarding. I must mention that, I went snowboarding, not skiing. It was a ski trip. I went snowboarding because I was cool uh, for those 10 minutes. (laughs) But, you know, it's it's a different thing. It's, uh, you know, if my parents would freak out um, if, uh, in fact, I've, I accidentally called my brother this week at like eight o'clock in the morning. So I had a very panicked call from my brother later on in the day going, is everything okay? Because he doesn't expect me to call out of the blue. He assumes that if I'm calling out of the blue, someone's died or something terrible has happened. So it's very much a, you know, no news is good news. Um, another way that I look at it is uh, sort of hoggle leadership. 
Um, there, there's a great bit at the end of the film The Labyrinth where all the characters have this really sweet beat, bit where they're going, should you need us? Yes, should you need us? In the sort of, if you need us, we're here for you. But it was the job of, I can't remember the girl's name, the character in it. No idea. You know, it's her job to say, I need you, Hoggle. You know, and I need you, whatever the other characters' names were. And to, to call on that. So that's very much how um, I will operate as a leader, is I will operate in Hoggle leadership. If you need me, I will be there for you. But you're going to have to call. You're going to have to speak. You're going to have to go, Bleh. You know, you're going to have to bleat to, to get that. So hopefully... <laughs> Has like, I've tried to fit all this in because there's quite a lot in there. Um, but you thought you might have some questions. So in terms of myself, how do I see myself with this senior leader role? So I would see myself as a pastor, elder, overseer, bishop. Um, and the, my primary thing is that is feed, lead, and uh, you know watch out for danger. Uh, but you may be thinking, well, you kept saying, John, over and over and over again that that role requires people to teach. Isn't Heather becoming a senior leader too? That's not her jam. What's the deal with that? So one of the titles that I didn't mention was deacon. And deacon is basically, you need all the same character traits as an elder, um, but instead of teaching and preaching, you're practical. You take what is taught, you take what is there, and make spreadsheets, and go and talk to people and make it a reality, which you know is very much Heather. So although we will have um, the same title effectively senior leader um, when I say senior leader I'll mean elder pastor overseer and Heather will be more deacony uh, the other thing I thought you might ask is doesn't it say elders all the time and yes yes it does there's meant to be a plurality of elders there's meant to be more than what thank you thank you Heather's nodding at the good word, use of the word plurality so many uh, many many uh, not many many just many uh, elders that are appointed uh, what I thought with this though is the, one of the passages we looked at I can't remember if it was Timothy or Titus it says about appointing elders in a town it uh, other places it does say about appointing elders in the churches in plurality but Back in day, you know, as we read in most of the letters, it was to the church in. It was to the church in Corinth, to the church in Philippi, to the church. Because there's basically, at that point, really, only one church per town. Uh, you were very much sort of, that was the whole church and that was it. But nowadays, we're not alone. We are surrounded by other churches. So although I would technically, I guess, be the, uh, a single elder, pastor, whatever, um, in hope, I am surrounded by other pastors, elders, and honestly, nowadays, friends as well, who are part of other churches. And hopefully, a number of them will be able to make it next week to the handing over stuff. But so I would say, although if you look at that on paper, you'll go, well, you're on your own, you shouldn't be on your own. Absolutely, that is the ideal. But we have actually this great support network here in Pontypridd. If someone wrote a letter to the church in Pontypridd, that would not just be us, that would also be you know, Temple and Kuipermain and, and, and all the other churches. And with everything that's happening through PCC at the moment, I do not feel alone in this, which is really good, really encouraging. And then beyond that, of course, we've got the connections with New Wine and uh, Catalyst and New Frontiers and all that kind of stuff. So uh, it's not going to be as lonely 
or as isolating as it could be, thankfully, due to the, just the way God is unifying his church at the moment, I think, which is really lovely. Um, did anyone have any other questions? Things they were thinking, oh, I really wanted to ask this, but everyone's just like, it's hot, John. Can you just shut up and sit down now? <laughs> no? Cool. So does that, was that helpful? Did anyone find that helpful? A few people are nodding, so that's, that's good. So I think, it's, yeah, it was just because I didn't want people to have expectations that would lead to disappointments. Ultimately, um, I'm still going to be me. Um, not, you know, sorry. Um, again, like with the uh, sort of, you know, leading as an example, uh, that is in terms of, you know, following God. Uh, you don't have to become completely obsessed with Marvel movies. You don't have to start hating sport. You don't have to... Uh, you know, go line dancing and your equivalent of that be spinning around in a circle going, wee! You know, you don't have to do any of that stuff. You're still meant to be you. So, you know, and part of my... <laughs> I, was re- I was really good at it, I thought. Um, yeah, so hopefully that's encouraging and hopefully that helps and has clarified a few things as to certainly how I see what I'm going to be doing and what Heather's going to be doing. And it'll be interesting to see if when Richard comes next week if he says something completely different. Um, but hopefully... I. I that will have been helpful. Um, and so, yeah, I'll ask Sam if he's all right to... you awake? <laughs> Slowly falling into a, a heat sleep. Um, so, yeah, if you want to stand, I'll, I'll pray and then we'll, we'll go back into worship. Um, but, yeah, I would really encourage you. Um, yeah, I think the important thing, although a lot of that was informational, I appreciate, uh, but I think the main takeaway is sheep bleat. If you're not okay, don't suffer in silence. Find someone, doesn't, and again, doesn't have to be me, doesn't have to be Heather, but find someone to talk to, someone to help you out and be there with you in it. Um, and yeah, cool, I'll pray and then we'll carry on worshipping. So Father, thank you uh, that we have a chief shepherd. Thank you for uh, Jesus who is way better at all this stuff than any of the human under-shepherds that we have. And I just pray, Father, for... Um, anyone who does feel like they're sort of suffering in silence, give them the courage to, to bleat, to, to speak up. Um, help us as a church to be loving, to love one another, uh, to be there for another, one another and support one another. Uh, may we be a church that does well representing you. Maybe be a church that uh, doesn't have leaders fall from grace or end up being rubbish. May we be a church that actually represents you and your son well. And I just pray, Father, that as we uh, continue to worship in this hot, humid, uh, exhausting heat, that you'd help us to still, through that, focus on you, uh, to uh, come to your throne room, to bring everything before you and lift you up in praise, which you thoroughly deserve. Amen.